Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is our weekly podcast from our Sunday service. Hey, Portland Christian Center. So glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, my name is Nate. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, I'm just glad that you're taking time to join us today. Obviously, it's again uh, a different setting. We, in case you didn't know, we had a, a pipe burst and the building had flooded. So uh, we're in the middle of reconstructing, rebuilding, and getting things back on track. Uh, in fact, we had the insurance adjuster out uh, just a couple days ago. We should hear back soon. But all that said to say is we are so grateful that God is with us, that he's for us. So who can be against us? And as we're getting ready to start this online feed, I want you to know the reason that we're doing this now uh, this way is because currently this live stream is happening uh, while we're doing our services in the gym. And we wanted to give our online community a great experience. And so this is a much better way for us to communicate and uh, enjoy God's presence, the word and worship uh, than what we could have done in the gym. So that's why we're doing it this way. And what I want to invite you to do is uh, we're going to worship God. We're going to sing here in just a moment. And the worship that you're going to see come up on the screen in just a few seconds um, was previously recorded. But here's what I know that the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So even though the song might have been recorded earlier, when you enter in and you start singing and engaging and worshiping God, powerful things happen. He changes you, he changes the atmosphere, and he fills you up with faith, hope, and love. So as we get ready to worship together, um, I just want to encourage you, don't wait, don't be by, don't like sit down or just kind of chill. But if you're, unless you're driving, of course, uh, but if you're able to get up, work, lift your hands, praise God, because he is worthy. So I want to pray for us as we get started today. And I'm just believing that you're going to encounter God's love and his presence today as we worship him. So Father, right now, I thank you for your people. Thank you for Portland Christian Center. Thank you that our best days are right in front of us. And I just ask right now, Lord, that you would inhabit our praises as we lift you up that you would be glorified and that we would be transformed to be more like you. So we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's worship together. Father, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for your grace that's with us. And I just pray for anybody that's at home watching this, Lord, that might feel lonely, might be struggling, might be hurting. I pray that you would comfort them, that you would meet every need and that you would touch them. God, we thank you that we can come to you with anything and everything and that we know you hear us and that you touch us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us again this morning. Right now, we're going to move to our tithes and offerings portion of the, the service. One of the important parts of being someone who follows Jesus is that he is first in everything, including our finances. And so what does that mean for a Christian? It means that your first 10%, the tithe, it always belongs to God. And then above that is where we start growing in this grace of giving. And so I want to encourage you today as you give, remind yourself that our God is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. In fact, maybe you should repeat that with me. Say Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, 
my provider, my provider, because God is our provider. So Lord, I bless both the gift and the giver. I pray that we would give generously and sow into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, 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 welcome back. I'm so excited uh, for you to be with us this morning. I want to ask you a quick question. It's one of my uh, favorite icebreaker questions that I hear and sometimes ask when we are in small group settings. And that is this, if you could go on any vacation anywhere in the world, where would you go? I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and ask them, if you go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Some people might say Italy. Some might say Australia, Florida, Texas, lots of different places. And if uh, I was, if you were to ask me that question, the place that I say every single time is I would love to go to the beach of Coronado and San Diego. I love that place. It, the sand is beautiful. It's warm and just the atmosphere. I love the beach. I love the ocean. It's one of my favorite places of all time. I've only been there a few times, but every time I think about it, I'm ready to go. But the truth is I love the ocean. I love sand. I love it when it's warm. But I'm so grateful that we live in Portland, Oregon, because our beach here, Cannon Beach, Seaside, um, even all the way up through Astoria, Go Goonies, shout out. Um, I just love all of the atmosphere around that. It's just so exciting and fun for me. And one of my favorite things to do is to build sand castles. And our boys love this. Uh, Mayel and I, we get down and we help build sand castles. And I want to show you some pictures of uh, some sand ca a sandcastle that we built. Yep, that's me right there. Watch out. Uh, we're building a sandcastle. And you can see that my, uh, my sons are right there, buried, and I'm in the background. But we love to do that. Now, here's one of the funny things about building sandcastles for us that we really love. I always say this to our boys, the best thing about building a sandcastle is destroying a sandcastle. And so we always run through it, smash it. Now I have learned that you have to make sure that your children are ready and okay with you destroying the sandcastle. Because if you destroy it too soon, you might end up with tears. But the truth is sandcastles are fun. In fact, it's amazing what some people go. I want to show you some other pictures that you'll see online um, and, and in the feed that these are amazing things that people have made. Uh, you can do some really cool stuff with sandcastles. There's competitions uh, that people use to build sandcastles. It's really fun. But, but here's the thing about a sandcastle. A sandcastle has never been designed, at least that I've seen on a beach, to stand the test of time. It's a wave away from being washed away. The wind, a child, a dog, ducks. I mean, the sandcastle, it's so sensitive. It's ready to be destroyed. And I want you to think about that picture of a sandcastle for a moment, because in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus uses this analogy of a sandcastle. And, and he's, he's talking about how oftentimes people will build their lives on things and what he says is, is so powerful. We're going to read it in just a moment. But so many times people will build their lives. And what Jesus warns people, if you build your life one way, it'll be like building your life on sand that just with a little bit of opposition, everything gets washed away. But there's another way, the way of Jesus, that if you build your life this way with him, 
you will actually build your life on the rock, which is Christ Jesus. And this is so important because our series is called Build to Last. And you might be saying, wow, that's an ironic message with someone who's just gone through a pipe bursting in your building, storms, power outages. Here's the truth. Even when all those things come against us and even greater things have come before, the power of what God is saying that his kingdom will come and will last. It is built to last. It's just impossible for the enemy to destroy it. It will last forever. And why is it impossible? Because we trust God's word that says that he who began a good work, that he will carry it to completion. And so the kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. It's a kingdom that we don't have to be afraid of what comes as long as we build our life upon him and the way that he calls us to build our life. So I want to read this for you. And it's again, the, the story in Matthew chapter seven, verse 24, where Jesus is teaching and you have a comparison between building your life on the sand and the rock. So let's read it together. It's Matthew chapter seven, verse 24, and I'm reading out of the NIV version. Here's what it says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. And I want you to hear this. Portland Christian Center, this is us. Yet it did not fall. Come on. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So this is an important point because as, as we're talking about building our lives on the rock and not on sand, Jesus says something that's really important. He says, if you're going to obey my words, then you're building your life on the rock, if you're going to do it. If you're not going to do it, you're going to build your life on the sand. So the question is, what words is Jesus talking about? Well, the context of this passage is Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is arguably the greatest sermon ever preached. Now, I know many of you have voted for mine to be with some of the greatest, but I'm telling you right now, it's not. Compared to Jesus' message, this is the greatest message most scholars believe ever. Why? Because Jesus, number one, he's God. He's teaching it. And he goes up on a mountainside. And as you read it, he just goes through so many incredible things. He talks about the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, warnings about prayer and fasting, not judging others. I mean, it is loaded with so much amazing content. And, it, and, and it's just fascinating because he says, I, he preaches this whole entire message, but then he ends with this simple analogy of sands and rock. And he says, if you put these words into practice. Now that word practice, I looked it up. And in the Greek, it is uh, poi omai, poi omai. And it's really simple. What it means is to do perform or carry out the task. The New King James Version it says it really easy and so does the ESV. It just says, if you hear my words, do it. If you hear what I'm asking you to do, do it. Isn't that 
just to be honest with you, one of the hardest things to do in life. I think so many people know exactly what to do. It's just that hard part of stepping out and doing it. Have you ever seen somebody give you advice on how to lose weight, but then they go and eat some chocolate cake? It just doesn't go together, does it? Or they say, yeah, I went to the gym. And you ask them, well, what did you work out? Oh, I did an executive workout. What's an executive workout? Well, that's when I go to the steam room and the sauna. I mean, those kinds of things. Uh, people know what they're supposed to do, but do they do it? And Jesus is saying, I don't want you just to hear my words. I want you to, and I love the way the NIV says, put them into practice. Put them into practice. In other words, start practicing. Start doing what I've called you to do. You know, it's been fun uh, this past year and, and really in years past, uh, I've been able to coach my, my boys in different sports. I've done soccer, done basketball, baseball, golf, lots of fun things in coaching. But it's amazing to me there are certain players that if I ask them to do something, they do it right away and the team does well. But there are other players, I could repeat the same messaging over and over and over and they still do it wrong. I remember one kid, I said, hey, don't go that direction because that's the wrong end. We're going this way. And as soon as the whistle blew, guess where he went? The wrong direction. And, and that really reminds me of what Isaiah 53, 6 says. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Isn't that the truth for all of us? We have gone the wrong way. And I, I want to illustrate this another, another way further. I was watching uh, a reel on uh, Instagram and this video of a sheep came up and it just it perfectly illustrates what, what is happening here. So I, I want you to go ahead and watch this. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Now, the truth is, all of us have at times gone back into a ditch. All of us have done things that we shouldn't, we knew we weren't supposed to do, and we did it anyways. And what Jesus is warning us is that we have to hear his words and do it. We have to listen to what God's saying and put it into practice. And, and why is that? Well, this illustration is really important. Why? Because it's a stern warning. He's given us the words of life. He spent two chapters of a sermon teaching us how to have a life that will last, how to build not just personally, but the big kingdom, the church, how to build something that will last. And it's, it's so simple and yet we miss it so many times just doing what Jesus taught us to do. You see, Jesus goes through this entire sermon and he's getting to the very end and he, and he says, obey what I'm saying, just do it. And so the question that we have to ask is, what did Jesus ask us to do? 
What are we supposed to obey? And I could pick so many different things. The Lord's Prayer, like I said, don't judge. And those are all things that we could break down, but we don't have time to do all of them. So what I did is I picked out what I think, if you were to distill the entire two chapters down to one verse, I think this one sums it all up. And here's what it is. Matthew 6, 33. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I want to read that one more time. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Why, why is that the, the centerpiece? Why is that so important? Because we truly believe that if you will put God first, everything will fall into place. It's just absolutely critical. And, and it's important to understand this verse that if you look at the very first word, but, that conjunction helps us to know that we are actually to tie in the previous sentence to help it make sense for everything. So what but is Jesus talking about? But what? What was before it? In verses 31 through 32, it says this. Therefore, do not be anxious about, uh, anxious saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows what you, that you need them also. Here's what it's saying. God knows that you need all these things. But, there's the conjunction. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Here's what Jesus is saying. And this is our big idea this morning. If you're taking notes, I, I've, I just want you to write down one thought at home today. That is, that is this. Seek him first. Seek God first. He is number one in all things. Seek God first. As simple as that is, the truth is, we, like sheep, we tend to go astray. We tend to go our own way. And I want to challenge you to start thinking through your life. Who is first in your life? Is God first? Are you seeking him first? Because the Bible doesn't just say you can make a nice list and walk away. It actually says, put it into practice. So I want to give you a few things, a few simple ideas of how you can start putting God first in your life. The other day, Titus and I were getting ready for, to go to school and we were talking about God being first in our lives. And he asked me, he woke up that morning, he said, he said, dad, can I turn on Sports Center?" And I looked at him and I said, well, is God first? And he said, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, let me grab my Bible. And he went and grabbed his Bible. Now, is Sports Center bad? Some people might think it's bad, but I enjoy Sports Center. But we're training and we're practicing putting God first. Then this morning, this is a Thursday, by the way, we're driving to school and he said, Dad, can I, can I listen to music? And I said, um, have we read our Bible first? And he goes, oh, God's first, God first. He did it again. And he grabbed my phone and we, we read the Bible together on our way to school. Is God first? What does that look like for some? I know for a lot of people, it looks like when you wake up, the first thing you do is you say, God, I invite you into my life. Lead me, transform me. Because here's the thing. I believe every day when you wake up, you've got to put God first in your life. Because here's the thing. The problem for all of our hearts is that we tend to drift back to the sand. We tend to go back to where it's easy. To make it all about my way. To make it about the things that I'm worried about. I was talking to a friend and they were 
looking at their history on their cell phone and they were disgusted with how much time they spent on social media. Six and a half hours in one day on their social media. And they were like, I need help. And, and we started talking about how can we start arranging our lives and not be just so glued on things. And, and, and we started talking about well, what's the root? Why are we so fixated on it? And then we started talking about how we want the approval of other people. We're comparing ourselves. We want to be elevated or maybe there's things that we're shopping for. Like I just saw that cool pair of shoes Maybe for some people, I saw um, that, that food that was made. I, I got to get that recipe. And all of, none of that's bad, but is it first? Because Jesus is really getting back to the heart of this. He says, is it first in your life? And C.S. Lewis, I love this quote. He says this, look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him, everything else thrown in. You see, what Jesus is offering you and me is a chance to practice seeking him first. And when we seek him first and his kingdom, his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. I was listening to uh, a testimony a few years ago of a lady who had been married for many years and it sounded like she had a great, happy marriage. But she was recalling back to the early 90s of her husband and her were on the verge of getting divorced and they were struggling big time. And she wasn't even a believer. He was a Christian, but she was not yet. And one day they were, they were struggling and her husband said, you know, I'm kind of at the last straw of what's going on. I'm not sure how to fix this, but there's a group of guys at my church that are going to something called Promise Keepers. And it's in Seattle at the Kingdom. And I'm going to go. And she was like, fine, go, whatever. So he goes with 65,000 men and they went and there's video footage. You can see it lifting up God's name and they had different speakers. And in this message, I want you to catch this. In this message, one of the pastors said, men, you have made yourself more important than God. And if you do that, you will always ruin your life. And this man realized for the first time in his life that he had built a life on sand. He had made it all about himself. He had made it about career. He had made it about finances. He had made it about his family, building the perfect house, the perfect dream, the American dream, doing all these things. And yet as he's trying to build, it was like that sandcastle just completely collapsing. And he began to weep and cry and he went up and he asked for prayer and he said, God, I want to make you first in my life. I want you to be first. I'm going to seek you first. And as he prayed that prayer, something changed in his life. And he came home and he said to his wife, I love you. I'm sorry. I have made myself first. Please forgive me. And she looked at him and she said, wow, that looks good to me. And then she thought, she said this, she goes, I thought he was going to make me first. And then he said, honey, I need to put God first in my life and then you'll be second. And she walked away like, what? That, that just doesn't seem right. And she's not a Christian. Now fast forward a few, a few years later, he ends up leading her to Christ. And her testimony is this. 
when my husband put God first, he treated me the way I needed to be treated. Our marriage completely changed. Our relationship changed. And that verse just came alive for them. And all these things were added unto them. And as I tell you that story, I want to encourage some people because I think there are people here that you're looking at your life and you're thinking, I have been building my life where God's been a part of my story, but he hasn't been first. He hasn't been the center. He hasn't been the key. He hasn't been everything. He's been part of it, but he's not first. And I want to warn you, just as Jesus was warning people that were listening to this on this mountainside, they're listening to Jesus pour out and he says, I've given you all the instruction that you need. Now simply put it into practice. And here's what he says, seek me first. Seek him first. Is there any error in your life that's above God? And how do we know what's above God? Because you worry about it, because you're anxious about it. You want to control it. You want to make sure that it goes just the way that you want. And the truth is, and you know it, and I know it, because we've all done it. We're going astray and we're building our life on sand and the grains are just falling and it's collapsing and you can't sustain it. Why? Because you were never meant to sustain it. Only God can sustain it. Only God is the one that will allow us to build a life that will last, to build a church that will last. So the simple question that I, I, I want you to ask yourself is am I, am I building my life on anything else than the rock Christ Jesus? Am I seeking him first? And if you're not, today's your moment. And I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of repentance. What, is it, what does repent mean? It means to change your mind. That you were thinking and going this way I was going my way, just like that sheep right back in the ditch. But today I'm going to repent and I'm going to seek Jesus first. I'm going to put him first. So let's pray together. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, there are people here as they're listening, that they're headed one way, they're going my way. And Lord, I ask that they would repent and turn to you and seek you first. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here's my challenge for you this week to write down on a piece of paper or maybe on your phone, how will I practice seeking him first this week? How will I practice, not think about it, not have this great idea and tell everybody, but put it into practice, do it, work it. How will I practice seeking him first this week? Because the word is true. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com. 